Hopefully that's okay. I was reminded this morning that um, something I've heard uh, many times lately is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I can't even imagine a, be- a more timely message than the one that the Lord's laid on my heart this morning as I began to um, uh, pray over what would the Lord have me to share this morning. Um, he reminded me, Lord, that, um, he reminded me that uh, we have brothers and sisters throughout the world uh, as well as the, the, you know, it's an unprecedented time, isn't it? I mean, never before in history has the entire world danced to the tune of the same piper. And, um, and so here we are this morning. And uh, uh, the, I titled this uh, sermon, uh, Jeers to Cheers. And uh, one of the, uh, as I think about the fact that, that uh, the whole world is impacted by this uh, COVID, I, uh, this la- the last time I went uh, on, my, on a trip was to India, and so I, I came across a story. You may have seen it as well. It was on Al Jazeera, and it had to do with uh, this fellow from India. Uh, the headline reads, uh, This madman digs for decades to bring water to a dry Indian village. For nearly 30 years, the wife of this East Indian man called her husband mad and tried everything to get him to focus on their family's needs and less on what seemed like an impossible dream. The people in the village dismissed this man when he said he would bring water to them one day. This man always reckoned that if he could dig a canal to redirect the streams from the hills down to his village, then he and others would be able to grow vegetables and wheat and support themselves. He dug this canal for 30 years. The villagers called him a madman. And they even tried to have, you know, like the demons exercised out of them. But he kept on because he knew that water from the monsoon rains that collected in the hills could be diverted to his village. And so the waters came, and the jeers that he suffered all those years turned to cheers. And now he was referred to as the water man and the river man. And all that waiting and the promised water came. The main thing about that story, and the reason I share it with you, is that the man was busy doing something that took a lot of time and patience, and in the end, it resulted in life-giving water and hope for his people. This parable that I had uh, uh, asked Gary to read this morning is also a time of waiting. This past year has been crazy. I remember when it first started in March, man, a day seemed like a week, a week seemed like a month. And you, know, we're, and, you know, I believe there, might, there may be some people who ha- are still in isolation. And so this, as you're listening, you're, you're here on live stream with, with us this morning. Perhaps you're in your room and you're uh, alone. And you've been just asking the Lord to speak to you. Um, listen carefully. He has something to say. And, uh, you know, this, this time of COVID came on us very unexpectedly. You know, I, in, in one week, everything was just normal. We were just meeting together. Uh, I would meet with a men's group on Thursday mornings, and we would, you know, uh, shake hands and hug each other and all this kind of thing. And then the next Thursday, nope, you're not doing that anymore. And, you know, it just 
came out by such a surprise. But you know who this is not a surprise to at all? The Lord never, this never caught him off guard. It wasn't like, oh boy, I didn't see that coming, you know. Uh, in fact, I would say that uh, he is using COVID in miraculous ways. And I just ask you to think about that as, as you listen to this message this morning. Why is it taking Jesus so long? Why? Why is he delaying? Why doesn't he just come right now? The Lord is preparing a people for himself who will accept his love and receive his gift of eternal life with him. He's patiently waiting until the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And isn't it amazing? Here we are this morning. I'm speaking to this congregation and sanctuary, but at the same time, the message potentially could be going any place in the, in the, in the, on the globe, right? I'm just going to read the passage one more time. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the, file, the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for the lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you don't know, you know neither the day or the hour. So today we have this text from the Gospel of Matthew that the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And Jesus ended the parable with a warning that he had uttered before. Watch. This doesn't mean standing on the top of a mountain gazing up into the heavens. It means to stay awake and be alert. The important parts of this parable is to be ready for Jesus' return. There are some important truths here that we certainly don't want to miss. There's two different groups, isn't there? There's the wise and then there's the foolish. A wedding in Jesus' day had two parts. First of all, the bridegroom and his friends would go from his house to claim the bride from her parents. And then the bride and groom would return to the groom's house for the marriage feast. The suggestion here is that the groom has already claimed his bride and is now on his way back home. However, let's not press the image of the church as a bride too far because much of this truth was not revealed until the ministry of Paul. Then there's the oil. 
The oil for burning reminds us of the special oil used in the tabernacle services. Oil is usually a symbol of the Spirit of God. But I wonder if this particular instance, it's not also a symbol of the Word of God. The church should be holding forth the Word of life in this dark and wicked world. We need to keep the Word of His patience and keep witnessing of the return of Jesus Christ. When the bridegroom and, uh, and bride appeared, half of the bridemaids were unable to light their lamps because they had no oil. Our lamps are going out, they cried. The bridesmaids who had no oil, or who had oil, were able to light their lamps and keep them shining bright. It was the other ones who entered the wedding feast. Or it was them who entered the wedding feast and not the foolish girls. This suggests that not every professing Christian will enter heaven. You may be, have gone to church your whole life and never uh, dealt with Jesus as your personal Savior. Without the Spirit of God and the Word of God, there can't be true salvation. There is the delay. The church has known for 2,000 years that Jesus is coming again. And yet many believers have become tired and drowsy, and especially during this COVID time, we become tired and drowsy. They're no longer excited about the soon coming of the Lord. There's little effective witness given that the Lord is returning. Talk about a delay. The man from India worked and worked for 30 years to bring water to his village, and he endured jeers and just about everyone from just about everybody, and then the water flowed, and the jeers turned to, je to cheers. The Lord has had in mind to bring water to His people ever since the Garden of Eden, and even before that, He knew that He too would have to pay a heavy price in order to draw people just like you to Himself. Jesus also experienced jeers right up to the time of His death on the cross. And then when Jesus rose from the grave on the third day, there were cheers, and there continues to be cheers throughout the world because the promised Messiah had finally come. When he arose and went to heaven, he did not leave us alone, but has given us the Holy Spirit who helps us and fills us to overflowing with life-giving water, and we never are thirsty again. But maybe, like I was saying earlier, you've never really thought too much about receiving this life-giving water, that once you drink it, you will never be thirsty again. He says, Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Would you like to receive this water this morning, right now? Would you like to know how to receive the eternal life that God has promised to you that you could have if you will believe in Jesus Christ? In order to help us think about this, I would like you to consider just some important questions and answers according to God's Word. Do you believe in God? Here's what it says in Deuteronomy. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and leaves the sojourner and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. 
If God was only just powerful and not loving, that would be terrifying. Then we would need to be afraid of God. As I said at the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That does not mean that we need to be afraid of Him. It's just that we need to revere Him. He is all-powerful, and yet He loves. He, ta- he watches over the poor. He watches over the hungry. He watches over the people who are in hospital. He watches over you, lonely one, in your room right now and cares for you and has sent this message to you perhaps this morning. And I pray that you will continue to listen and uh, understand. For God so loved the world, do you believe that God loves you? I guess is my second question. Here's what it says in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Very important question. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, his disciple, answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Again, when Jesus showed himself to the disciples later, there was Thomas. And when Thomas saw his scars and the wounds in his feet and the wound in his side, Thomas' instant reaction was to fall down before Jesus and say, My Lord and my God. The Lord... It says that the Lord is of pure eyes, that He cannot look on evil. And yet here we are, we know that we are sinners. Nobody has to tell you how to sin when you're a child. But we do have to learn how to be good, don't we? We know that we are a sinner. Um, Sometimes when I'm talking with people, I use uh, the Ten Commandments. And I say, um, well, first of all, do you know what the Ten Commandments are? Well, yeah, of course, I know a few of them. And so, well, it says that um, if you tell a lie, that you have sinned against the Lord. How about you? Have you ever told a lie? And I said, and if you tell me that you haven't, then you've already sinned just now. Um, Another example is um, you've heard it said that we're not to murder anybody. But Jesus says, even if you hate somebody in your heart, you have already committed murder with that person. And so how about you? Have you ever hated somebody? And then I bring it, make it a little more personal. So if I was to hate somebody, and I was to commit murder like that, what would you call me? Well, I, I guess I'd call you a murderer. Okay, so what does that make you? A murderer. And so I say these things just to remind you of who, let's just be real here. Let's just be honest with who we are. And we know that God is holy. And so there, we, there's this tension, there's this problem. How am I going to approach a holy God? I mean, if I was so good, and only once a day I ever sinned and told a lie or hated my brother or, or some of these other uh, commandments, 
And then I think about how old I am, and I think, why that's 365 sins a day or a year, that's, you know, that's times 50, that's quite a few. I don't know how many of that is, but that's a lot. And, and, and so here's this record book, you know, and, 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 and so what am I supposed to do with my sins? Well, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So, a great question. Would you like Jesus to save you from your sins? Is he convicting you this morning? Has he spoken to you in a special way? And, and you are convicted about this? This is what you must do. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Think about what is the door that Jesus is knocking on, my dear one? He's knocking on the door of your heart, of your life. Earlier we talked about how Jesus, how God is all-powerful. Why doesn't he just knock down the door and come on in if getting saved is so important, if accepting him into your life is so important? Well, that wouldn't be love, would it? I mean, think about uh, when a man is going to ask a, a lady to marry him, he doesn't hold a gun up to her head and say, you're going to marry me? Uh, I think I know what she would say, and it wouldn't be very nice. And, and the Lord is the same way. He, wouldn't, he doesn't come in that way. He's a gentleman. So the question is, would you like to open the door to your heart to Christ right now? If you want to open the door to your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, please listen to this prayer. Just listen to it, and then think about it, and decide if that's what you want to do. Oh God, I know that I am unworthy without you and that I need you. Thank you that Christ died for my sins and offered me eternal life. I ask you to forgive my sins and to help me not to sin against you. I accept you, Lord Jesus Christ, as my Savior and open up the door of my heart to you. Take my life into your hands and make it abundant and useful. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. So, I ask you, does this prayer represent what you want to say to the Lord right now? If so, would you please just repeat the, uh, the prayer after me? I'll just go through slowly, phrase by phrase, and you pray along silently where you are. If you feel that you need to get out of your seat and bow before the Lord, that would be fine. In fact, it would represent the change that is coming about. You have been sitting on the throne of your life all this time, and now you are acknowledging that Jesus Christ is going to be on the throne of your life. Oh God, I know that I am an unworthy, that I am unworthy without you, and that I need you. 
Thank you that Christ died for my sins and offered me eternal life. I ask you to forgive my sins and to help me not to sin against you. I accept Christ as my Savior and open the door to my heart. Take my life into your hands and make it abundant and useful. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. God's Word tells us that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 who didn't need to. And that the angels in heaven right now are rejoicing over you. Perhaps you have prayed this prayer this morning where you are. And the angels are throwing a huge party on your behalf. And they are just anxious and waiting also for Christ's return so that you can be joined together with him, with all of us. There is the bridegroom waiting coming for his bride like a thief in the night. So yes, there's the aspect of waiting. Yes, there is uh, the aspect of him returning, being like a surprise, like a thief in the night. The main thing Jesus is saying in this parable has to do with the oil in the lamp. It's okay if we sleep, of course. It's okay if we become drowsy, of course. All ten of them became drowsy and fell asleep. But when it was time to get up, five were ready, and five had not taken care of their eternal destination. And I pray that you will take this seriously this morning, where you are. You are that lamp, but is your lamp filled with the oil? The oil is the Holy Spirit. Have you opened the door of your heart to Jesus if you have, then Jesus has sealed you with the Holy Spirit. You need to tell somebody about that. In Luke 12 and Matthew 10, here's what we read. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. So also, everyone who acknowledges me before men, this is in Matthew, I will also acknowledge him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. I have confessed Jesus before you this morning. Will you allow the Holy Spirit who now dwells in you to direct you and guide you to tell others about Jesus? I pray that you will. As, it, as we read earlier, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We can be a part of hurrying up his return. I believe that. That's what it says. And then the end will come. Lord, we are just waiting for your return and, and uh, anxious. And as we see the events happening around the world right now, we think, man, it's got to be awful close. And, uh, and so that, I, that is why I believe this message this morning that uh, I've shared with you from God's Word is so important. And I pray that you take it very seriously.
As in closing, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Thank you.